listeners. We're happy you're here. Welcome to Exploring Education. Our focus is to provide our community at large with tips, tricks, and best practices for education, both at school and at home. Subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with what's happening and what we're thinking about. two guests joining us from our Educational Services Department in Redondo Beach Unified School District. Susan Wilds is joining us. Susan serves our district as our Executive Director of Educational Services. She's also navigating the waters of distance learning as a parent with two teenage girls. Susan, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Today, we are also joined by Karen Sato. As a teacher on special assignment, or TOSA, as we like to call the position, Karen supports our elementary teachers in professional development and instructional practice. Karen is navigating the waters of these times as a parent with her own adult and college-aged Karen, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. I'm really excited for our conversation. So today we're going to start by hearing a little bit about RBUSD's perspectives on distance learning. What are the opportunities that we hope families find in these moments at home? Yeah, um, Sarah, this is actually a really interesting question. And it's a question that Karen and I talk about almost kind of on a daily basis. Um, One thing to know about um, educational services is we are slightly obsessed with Brene Brown. And one of the things I actually learned from a meeting I was at Washington um, was one of her suggestions and uses of something called a permission slip. And, you know, we think about traditionally permissions, the way permission slips are used in school. Kids, teachers send home permission slips to parents and parents give permission for their children to kind of engage in kind of learning outside the school. And so this idea of permission slips, and when I heard you all talk about it a few months ago, has kind of stuck with me a little bit um, because in this time when we're trying to figure out, you know, what are the what's the best course of action for our kids? How do we train teachers? What do we need to do first? One of the things that um, I feel like we in educational services keep going back to is first off giving ourselves permission to really kind of not have the, all the answers right away. Um, that we're struggling to and never having had to Um, frame learning like this. Um, So giving ourselves permission to just kind of sit and be thoughtful um, about what we know what works for kids and then experiencing ourselves what's working for our family. So one of the things that I have kind of taken away, I have two 13-year-old girls at home who are both engaging in distance learning and I am still working full-time from a a corner in our house while trying, we're all four of us in this house are trying to have conference calls. And there was a period uh, last week where I couldn't support the girls. They were engaged in trying to learn some algebra that was well beyond something that I could help them with, that my husband could help them with, and they weren't understanding. And it was just causing a level of anxiety and stress and tears and crying in our house. And so we kind of utilized this idea of permission. And this idea of we had to give ourselves permission to do what are the needs of our family, the needs of our kids uh, was above the, 
particular assignment that the girls felt that they needed to get done in that particular 10 minutes. So what we did the next day is we took an entire break from teaching. We took an entire break. I gave them permission to not engage in some work because it felt like it was really more important for them to reduce their anxiety um, and kind of have a day where they could just kind of be passionate about learning something they were interested in. So I asked my kids, what do you want to learn? Um, what do you want to do today? You can't sit and watch TV. You can't sit on your phones. So you have to learn something. And the two of them spent the day researching YouTube videos, learning sign language, and creating their own TikTok video where they were signing alongside one of their favorite songs. And what my husband and I were talking about later that night at dinner was just everyone seemed happier. They had a moment where they were happier. They talked about how that what their plans were for the next day to kind of re-engage with the learning. So we just had to give ourselves and our family a permission just to take a break and uh, do in that moment what we felt was right for them versus trying to just pile on all the work we felt that they needed to do. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that's wonderful. And I think that you made some really good points in there. First of all, it must have been really fun for your girls to have that break and, you know, have mom promoting them using a TikTok video. It was probably fun for them as well. And then also what you said about, you know, thinking about the needs of our kids and the needs of our family, putting that first to help balance and get everyone back to a state of calm. For me as a parent, I really appreciate that you shared that. Absolutely, and I think one of the things to remember is that all of this is just such a blip in time. This will be a moment they, did, they talk about, and I don't want them to think back 15, 20 years from now and thinking, thinking about this moment as being a stressful um, in terms of all the work, thinking about um, worrying about falling behind. I really wanted them to think about, like this is an opportunity for us to, um, breathe, do what we find interesting, explore something we're passionate about, but really um, our the general happiness in this home is more important than whether we um, understood this particular algebra lesson. And I will tell you, there's plenty of time to figure out, to learn how to find the slope of a line in for algebra. You know, my, my kids will recover. They will learn what they need to learn. I trust their teachers to get them there. And when they have full access to their teachers again, I know their teachers will do everything that they need. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about um, the gift of time that parents have right now. Can I add on one thing to the permission slips also? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I would want parents to do too is to give yourself permission to not know something. Because I know as teachers, that's something we struggle with all the time. And now that you're in this role that you don't necessarily sign up for as an educational leader in your household, is it's okay not to know. And I think that's very empowering for students because many times students think that we have to know all the answers. And so for you as a parent to tell your child, you know what, honey, I just, I don't know. And then find solutions to what can we do? What are some solutions we could do to figure that out? Maybe we could go research something. Maybe we could ask wise counsel. Uh, maybe we could direct an email or a conversation to your teacher in your next session. Um, but it's okay not to know. And I know as parents, it's stressful when we don't always have the answers, but give yourself permission not to always know. 
Thank you, Karen. That's a great point. Um, I keep thinking back to how important it is right now along those lines to just be comfortable with uncertainty. And I think giving yourself permission to say, it's okay that I don't know this, but let's work together to try to figure out the answer is a powerful learning experience for both ourselves and our children. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the gift of time that parents have right now to observe their children as learners. What are your thoughts on what we hope our parent population notices? The number one thing that I would hope that parents walk away from this is seeing their child as a learner and children to start seeing themselves as learners. And what we mean by that is for students to understand who they are as a learner. Do they learn best by visual images? Do they, by seeing pictures or seeing um, even hands-on um, activities, which we call kinesthetic? Do they learn best by when someone speaks to them or lectures to them, or do they learn best by, um, Sarah, I saw on some of the blogs that you've done, is physical. Um, and that goes back to the kinesthetic of doing, I saw you do a, um, a YouTube snippet of kids looking for spelling words or sight words, and they were running and um, erasing the chalk with your water gun. And I just <laughs> loved it because they don't have those opportunities. We can't always provide those spaces inside the classroom, but we certainly could do that at home. And a child who struggles on reading and memorizing sight words, you'll see the difference. And I, as a parent, could notice that. Wow, they really got that when they were able to physically work with those words. And so understanding your child as a learner in that way of the modalities in which they learn is powerful. Another thing that I have learned personally as a parent, I have college age students, but I have noticed from my own child that he struggles with asking for help. And I never saw that before. And I realized when he was working on his work, when he got defeated, he would just quit, but he wouldn't ask for help. And it was hard for him to ask for help. And I think it goes hand in hand with not that feeling of always feeling like you have to know. Mm -hmm. um, that's important, I think, to identify with your child is how they receive and how they ask for help. Um, I think the other important thing as we look at our children as learners is to figure out what motivates them. You have this opportunity now um, to see what motivates them. It, a lot of things that are being pushed out now gives children opportunities to explore other areas. In a classroom, we usually present a certain subject matter or content matter, and it's more um, done in a narrow view where maybe a child was sent out a virtual field trip and there's links attached to it. Or I was looking at the Scholastic at home. A lot of teachers are pushing that out for kids to read and um, to also hear stories, which absolutely should be happening. Um, in ELA, but then there's all these additional clicks. They could, if they read a story about Mrs. Spider's Tea Party, there's they could click on to knowing more about spiders. Maybe that's something that interests your child. And now you're in, you're seeing that there's an empowerment to them to search out what gives them what their passion is. Maybe it is science, maybe it's history, maybe it's 
a different type of content. Maybe it's turned out to be coding or we have, this has been like a tech 101 class for everybody that has involved themselves in distance learning. And so maybe that's their passion also. Those are all the things that lead us to our careers. And once we find a passion, one of the things that I watched, of course, as many did watch the Kobe Memorial and Michael Jordan had said in his eulogy that if you have a passion for something, you'll do anything to get it. He gave an example. If you have a passion for ice cream and it's not in the house, you'll go walk the one and a half miles because it's something you really want. And just as if I have a passion for learning about insects or I have a passion to understand how this, I, I'm seeing this on a screen and how that delivered to me through a certain coding, I'm going to spend a lot of time and research doing that. In the classrooms, we don't always have a lot of space to foster that passion, but you do at home because there's a lot of time. I agree with you, Karen, and thank you for those points there. I do think that right now this is giving our students, and I can see it myself as a parent as well, just like you said, the opportunity to dig deeper into the things that matter to our kids. and. In our, in our full days with, you know, school all day and then sports practice or this activity, music lessons, things like that after school, our kids just don't have the time to explore sometimes the things that really, you know, matter to them. And right now, some, some of our students are really learning what matters to them in a big way. And so that that's kind of neat. That's a great point you make because you're right when we are in regular mode. We tend to fill our kids' spaces up with time and we run with a certain passion and not it's not necessarily directed by them. That is a really good point that yeah. you bring out. So let's talk a little bit more about some skills from this experience we want students to transfer into lifelong learning. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting question too because I you know, watching my own kids and kind of seeing them work, you know, nothing replaces being in the room with a classroom teacher. Nothing replaces being able to be in a room with um, your peers and learning from each other. And in a regular classroom, um, the teacher is really supporting students kind of all day long. Um, they're helping manage, helping organize. Kids aren't really, the teacher's controlling the schedule. The teacher's controlling the flow of the day. Well, now that our kids are home, um, it's interesting to be able to watch my kids. Um, there's a, something that we call, um, you know, neurologists call uh, executive functioning. And really executive functioning is what we would consider like the management system of our brains, right? And this is, executive functioning is how we kind of set goals and how we make plans and how we get things done, right? And that's what our children are suddenly kind of thrown into. And as a parent, as of someone who's watching their kids do work that um, is now beyond my um, my teaching credential, um, this is really the area where I've been able to really spend time looking um, and really kind of thinking about how this is going to change my kids' learners. Um, having to pay attention to a video, a webinar, a uh, a live video conferencing is extraordinarily difficult. Um, it's more challenging than being in a classroom because you have all these other distractions. So my ability to pay attention, which is part of executive functioning, is really being tasked right now. 
So I watched my kid, my kids the other day, which several days in a row, having having their phones with them while they were trying to do a WebEx. And so at dinner, I sat and talked with them, and I said, "Well, how did your WebExes go today?" And really asking them um, to think about like how was your attention impacted by having your phone. So today they made the choice; they were coached into making the choice of the phone living in a different location. Because really thinking about like if this is going to really tax my attention, I need to help myself, and one of the ways I help myself is eliminating distractions. That's how I'm going to get work done. And that's how our kids develop executive functioning. The next area really is, you know, we watch our kids, and they're looking in Google Classroom, and they see all of these different things. They see something for math. They see something for reading.、Um, they might see, you know, how do we, how do they, how do we help them? And watching them develop. Okay, what am I going to do? Choose first. One of my daughters chooses what she wants to do. What sounds the most fun first. My other daughter chooses the thing that's the hardest first,、um, and it's just an interesting. They both get all their work done, but how they go about that, you know,、um, really kind of thinking how do they organize their day,、um, watching them start to develop,、um, knowing their bodies, knowing when they need a break, knowing when they need to step up and step away from the computer and go do something that has nothing to do with learning, so that they can refocus back. Um, and really, this idea of helping them kind of regulate their emotions—no、um, one's really regulating emotions great in this house right now. But really, this idea of okay,、um, being very kind of、um, talking out loud to myself—I'm、um, about to do it when we get off this call—in saying to the girls, you know, I have been on the computer all day. I have a lot of you know all these things that I'm thinking about and that I'm worried about. So what my body needs right now is I need to go for a walk. I'll be back in an hour, you know, or saying I need to go for a run, or I need to go take ten minutes to go do this thing that will help me regulate my emotions,、um, because our emotions right now are impacting negatively impacting our ability to learn. So as adults, because we've, we've developed these executive functioning skills, we're able to kind of keep our emotions in check, monitor ourselves, and then. Set goals for completion of work, but for our kids, they've really never had to do that because our teachers are doing that for them. The classroom does that naturally,、um, and so I think out of all of this, you know, my hope and what I think we will see coming out of this is kids who have are automatically developing some more of these executive functioning skills. Things kids who are developing the idea to be able to say, "I knowing myself, what should I work on first, and here's how I'm going to go about tasking." And I think those are some great points. I I constantly am thinking about independence, right, and teaching for the future, and you know what can we do to set kids up so that you know when we're not there,、uh, you know the long game, making sure that they are functional adults in our society. And right now, they have these wonderful opportunities to help themselves develop some of those lifelong skills, like you were talking about.、Yeah. Um, in this case, is, go ahead. And I think this is where we see kids really struggle in college because they've had so many. You know, they get to college and really the demands of college and being on your own it demands such high levels of executive functioning that really, really tax some of our students. And our kids now are being able to do it now at an earlier age when we can coach them. They'll be back in school. We'll be able to teach differently based on what we're seeing during this. 
Yeah. yeah, and along the lines of the executive functioning too that I've noticed um, in a lot of students are just hearing feedback from teachers is how to budget your time. I think that's a really important executive functioning skill. And a lot of what I am seeing is that students will look at an assignment in a certain area and they will either over budget time or under budget time, which then gets them in trouble as well. Mm -hmm. And so to even have that discussion with them of how long do you think this will take? And then for them to revisit back to see how long it really took them. Because I think that's one of the skills as Susan was talking about as we go into the future of our college years. I think that's something we struggle. We struggle as adults when we over budget or under budget time. Mm -hmm. um, so that is and also one that to me is important, that executive yeah. functioning area. That's, those are some great tips for and things for our parents to be thinking about. And it kind of makes me think about how uh, a timer is such an essential piece to a task completion, right? Um, no matter how old your child is, or even ourselves as adults. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits of distance learning. Thank you, Sarah. That is such a great topic to bring up because I think while we're all struggling through this, it's hard to identify those benefits because we also want to be back in the classroom. We want to physically see each other. And so we tend to focus on that. But there are definite benefits of distance learning. Um, talking to the teachers um, around the district in the last seven weeks that has definitely come up is there's this leverage of the playing field um, if you want to call it. Students, when we're in classrooms, in meetings or wherever we are, even in friends, in, group, in groups of friends, there always seems to be people that are more willing to share. Sometimes we call them the oversharers. <laughs> and then there's some that kind of sit back and are very observant and reflective, but they don't give a lot of, um, they don't share a lot of their own thinking. I think we could probably all identify those types of people in our lives. And so in the classroom and the time that we're given, a lot of times what happens is some of those kids that usually don't share their thinking, you don't always get to hear about it. But now that we're in distance learning, a lot of the kids are being required because we're in limited time with our live sessions to write their thoughts down, to share their thinking. And um, we've also gone down to a lot of small groups as opposed to large groups, which also gives us another opportunity to listen to your voices. It gives teachers an opportunity to hear from everybody equally um, and to capture their thinking and to spend time on what was said also. Because I think a lot of times things are done in moments and we capture students thinking we move on. When you have time to sit with that feedback or you have time to sit with their thinking, you could be a lot more reflective on it. So those definitely has been one of the uh, benefits. Can Karen, have don't different... you... oh, Go sorry. Ahead. Don't you think too in that same vein, it gives kids um, who need extended think time to process their thinking, it gives them the space to do that. Absolutely. Uh, they're not sitting in a room and being stressed out by the demands of their friends, raising the, you know, the, there's always like a handful of kids whose hands always shoot up really fast when a teacher yes. answers a question and kids who need more think time. And this distance learning is allowing them that space and time to really formulate their thoughts and 
um, kind of show their best thinking. Yes, I was with a group of teachers and we were looking at how children give feedback and students that it takes that process, it takes them to process a little bit longer or they have, they struggle in getting to articulate their thoughts, but they have them there. I witnessed a teacher asking, posing a question. It was a reading response question. A child started to write out what they were thinking because the teacher required them to fill it out on a, um, a chat box. And it was taking them much longer than maybe two thirds of their class. So then the teacher uh, addressed that child and helped them articulate what they're saying. So as the child started to speak, because obviously for this child, verbally was easier for her than it was to type it out. The teacher started to type out exactly what she said. It was the child's thinking. And you just saw this big smile come across the child's face. And she just took off from there. She like, yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking. She had time to process what she was thinking. Her teacher helped her even articulate it. And then she just moved. And it sparked this amazing discourse that occurred in that class around the strategies they were using um, in math. So I completely agree with you, Susan. I think that for some children, they are thriving and they are really engaged right now because of, like you said, Karen, distance learning has given them the opportunity to show what they know in a way that if they were in the traditional classroom, they might not have the option to do. So for or the those, courage to, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So for mm -hmm. those kids, it can be really empowering and their teachers are seeing them now in a different light. So we're really getting to know kids differently and we're seeing all the potential in our students. So Absolutely. That would probably be the biggest benefit of distance learning that's coming. Well, um, the so other thing that I, this probably goes along the whole um, theme of the podcast. One of the things that I saw yesterday is David Ono, you know, the newscaster. Mm -hmm. He posted a picture of his daughter who's in the third grade. And he had posted a comment about her, like he was saying something wonderful about her. It was her birthday. And the picture that he showed is she was at her desk and she was writing. And he said that she writes down goals every night before she goes to bed. And how, you know, he was just noticing that she does that and how wonderful that was and how proud he was as a girl dad. And so I thought, gosh, that's another, when I was thinking about this pod podcast is to do with your children. And that that's one of the best benefits right now that you do have spaces to be reflective in the day because you were a huge part of what happened. Because a lot of times they'll come home and you'll say, oh, what happened today at school? And they'll say nothing, or they'll tell mm -hmm. you what they did at recess or what they did at PE, but they don't give you a whole lot of insight to their ac actual academic day. And so you are there front and center to see what's happening them academically. And it also gives um, an opportunity to be reflective with them. So if they set out their goals, like based on today, what is your goals for tomorrow? You could do a personal goal. You could do a, an academic goal. I want to get so-and-so done. I want to get this project or this part of the project done. You know, I want to try to um, read 30 minutes instead of 27 minutes today. 
And then at the end of the day, you have a space to be reflective, to look at, oh, how'd those goals go? What was a challenge for you today? And what can we do to address those challenges? You could start to build that perseverance and the growth mindset in children. Right now, while we're all struggling, um, just to keep reminding them that this is hard to give them empathy. I, I know, I feel it too. I, I don't like this either. But you know what I love? I love seeing you get up every day and persevering through it. I love when you're sitting, I'm watching you sit at that chair and I see you starting to move back in your chair. I get it because my body hurts too. And, but you, you just push through. I love that when something is hard, you're not saying I can't, you're saying I can. And that's all we could ask of you right now. And great thing that I heard from somebody that I respect, um, she always reminds me that Karen, just remember that today your kids are one year older than they were yesterday. So looking at the perspective of where we are now, that this someone else, Christina Tonnevald, who I love, she talked about this time being a quarter inch and not to let that overtake our minds, but to really focus on the benefits that we're providing and to know that your child is one day older than they were yesterday. We're gonna be okay. That's, that's great advice for parents. And I think kind of going back to what we talked about a little bit before in the beginning of our episode today, where when Susan shared about the permission slip, you know, I think as parents, we need to give ourselves the permission to be honest with our kids and, you know, let them know that we don't know all the answers, like we said before, and let's work together to find them out. So Sarah, can I add one more permission? Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes we as parents, we need to give ourselves permission to do the jobs we're being paid for um, and understand that sometimes we have to tell our kids, I need you to go do this on your own, even our small, small children, because we as parents, you know, Sarah, you have small children. I have teenagers that ultimately that we're all doing jobs too. Um, I was on the there was a phone with a, a parent who had some first had a first grader and had small children. And I was telling her the other day, I said, because she was having to work and it was a struggle. And I shared it. One of my favorite apps with her is called a time timer, a visual timer. And it you can download it onto their devices. And um, I oftentimes will put that on, post it somewhere in the house, put it on my children's devices and say, mom needs to go take a call. I need for 45 minutes in red. Nobody needs to open this. Anyone who opens this door is gonna, you know, get it. Um, <laughs> and I think we need to give ourselves permission to understand it is perfectly okay. We all have to do our jobs too. So whatever tricks we can share with each other to get our jobs done while our children are running amok in our homes, that's okay too. Well, um, thank you for that. Cause I really appreciate that as a, um, mom who is working at home right now and you know I have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old so for me I, I sometimes I go into the bathroom and I lock myself in there and I am <laughs> like oh, how, what am I gonna do how am I gonna survive this you know and yeah. then I put my big girl pants on and I go back out and face the day totally. are um, they banging on the door to the bathroom asking what's for dinner at the same time <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> no, I um now I'm at the point where I just tell them, go outside, go outside. And I, <laughs> I kind of feel we're fortunate enough to have a, a pretty big yard for the South Bay. And I um I feel like sometimes I'm talking to my kids 
like a dog right now. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. We're gonna get there. Here we are. Well, Susan and Karen, I just want to say thank you both. Every time I have the opportunity to speak with you, you make me think and you get me really excited about the possibilities within the field of education. So um, I know that our conversation today is definitely going to you know, spark the thinking in our listeners. And um, I just want you to know that we really appreciate your time. Our pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, ladies. Hungry for more resources? We encourage you to visit our website at washington.rbusd.org and click on the programs link. If you select literacy interventions, you can have access to Mrs. McMaster's content and newsletters, as well as presentations from literacy events. If you're looking for school closure resources, we encourage you to visit our website as well and click on the 2020 school closure link right on the homepage. We have links there that might be helpful for parents. Lastly, follow us on Instagram at Washington Explorers. <laughs>